Welcome to Rome Community Bible Church, where we desire to become a worshiping community of grace and truth by sharing the love of Christ locally and globally. So if I were to tell you about a place, I said, there's this place that's beautiful. It's got blue skies with some clouds. The weather's not cold. It's just right. I think that's like mid-70s, but you could argue what that looks like. Nice ocean breeze, blue water that you walk out in, and it's not cold when you touch it, but it's refreshing. You put your face in the water, you see tropical fish swimming around, even a manatee that you're just like, that's huge. They're called sea cows, by the way, Dane. Uh, but, but you're going and moving, you're like, man, that place is beautiful. Now, hearing that, you probably thought about maybe Hawaii or somewhere tropical. But what if I were to say, hey, I'm not just going to tell you about it. I'm going to take you. Oh, that's a whole another game changer right there, right? You'd be like, yeah, let's go. Because you physically get to experience it. Well, in the book of Ephesians, as we're reading, really, prayer does that. We get to hear God's word but we also get to pray with God's word and pray with one another. It's a whole nother level that we see. And in the book of Ephesians, which I'm excited that we get to be back in, and I hope you guys, if you grab the, the little study, uh, the ESV version, where it's just the, that pass, the Bible, of, or the book of Ephesians with the notes, we had some, I think they, I don't know if they're all gone now. But anyway, that's a good place you can take your notes on and read ahead, but I encourage you to do so. Now, this is one of the letters that Paul wrote while he was in prison in Rome. He had this special relationship with the Ephesians. Um, Acts chapter 20, you could go and read that later, but this is where he is leaving. He knows that he's going to be arrested, like the Lord put on his heart and directed him, like, hey, this is going to happen to you. The elders of Ephesus traveled with him for a little bit, and they were with him. Like, they didn't just say, okay, bye. They said, we're going to travel with you for some time. And you see this very intimate moment where Paul is praying with them. They get down on the beach and they are on their knees praying together. He gives them instructions and in caring what elders should do. You see this heart that Paul has. It wasn't just a, he was a traveling evangelist that came into town and left every now and then. Like, he spent multiple years, up to three years with him at the time in Ephesus, building a relationship with the church and caring for them. And so there's that deep relationship. So in, in the heart of this letter, you see that. Paul's heart for the church. They're not just people that are another Christian. He says, no, you're my brother and sister. You read this pastoral heart that he has for them. And as we look at Ephesians, it's only... Just six chapters, but we're going to spend some time because there's just a lot of depth here. Um, I had someone tell me, you know, when you're preaching through a, a book like this and there's so much there, you may not ever have a chance to preach through it again, so take your time. And I said, that's wise advice. I will take that. And so we have. We spent time. We spent many weeks looking at just as verses through 3 through 14 of Paul's. It's really a prayer to God, praising God for his spiritual blessings. But the book of Ephesians can be broken up into two main sections. Chapters 1 through 3 is gospel doctrine. And then chapters 4 through 6 is gospel living. Very easy. You can see the summary there. But gospel doctrine. What is the gospel? What did Jesus do? How great the work of grace. And then he kind of then spends, what does that look like? 
first three chapters, though, of Ephesians, not just gospel doctrine, 45% of those chapters is Paul's prayer. It kind of reminds me, when you think about what is an elder called to do, in the book of Acts, the elders were getting busy, and they were kind of finding themselves getting distracted, and there were not necessarily bad issues. Um, the, the church was growing. There's many needs, needs of the widows even. And they said, we need to raise up people to help because we need to concentrate on two main things as the job of an elder, teaching God's word and praying. And really, what, that's what we see in Ephesians. Paul's teaching God's word and he's praying. That's his heart. We see what it is. The very opening lines of Ephesians 1, Paul says who he is, but then he addresses to who this letter is. And he doesn't just use a term to those who are in Ephesus. He says very specifically to the saints in verse 1. Do you remember what a saint is? It's not just someone who's gone through these classifications or they're on a stained glass window. No, Paul's very specific to say that a saint is those who are in Christ, a Christian. He doesn't say, oh, you sinners who need grace. He says, to the saints in Ephesus. And so we could say to the saints in Rome Community Bible Church. Maybe you need that reminder today. Look what God's grace has been given to you, that he's set you apart as what it means to be a saint, one who's set apart. The process of being sanctified in Christ, to be set apart, to be made holy in Christ. You, church, really when you think about it as you leave here, guess what? You're still called saints. That's not just here on Sunday morning, but when you leave here, and so you're in the front lines as a saint for God. Your workplaces, those hard relationships, the waywardness that you may have in some of your kids or grandkids. You're in the front lines, but you have to be reminded here that you are in Christ. You're called a saint. And so we see that here, that in verses 3 through 14 in Greek, it's really just one long sentence and it's one of Paul's long sentences where he's praising God for what Christ has done. He's exuberating in praise. He's saying, I can't help but thank God for the grace that has been poured out on me. I'd like to encourage you to take time to reflect that today, too. We get busy. I get busy. And sometimes we just need to stop and say, God, I thank you for the grace you've given me. Sometimes we need to do that because it's hard and we're like, we just need to stop and look at the big picture, the biggest and greatest gift. God's grace has been poured out on you. That'll get you through. <laughs> that will. His grace has been poured out on you. This week, um, I've really enjoyed, and I shared with you guys the note, the little booklet that goes in your Bible to have it has your name in it. Um, in my Bible, I've been thankful because I've broken it up where how each day I get to pray for who's on that list. But I have a little pen that I keep with me, and I write small, but I write little notes so I can remember what to pray for. 
But I also been praying verses 3 through 14 for you and for me. That you would just know God's grace has been poured out on you. I can never get old. You know that? It can never get old. In fact, I think the more you think about it, you can't help but do what Paul does and praise God. You may even make up your own song because you're so full of praise. You're like, man, this is so good. Look what God has done in Christ Jesus. There's this group that Alyssa and I have been listening to called City of Light. They're congregational singing kind of group. And they have this song called Save My Soul. And I'm just going to read just the chorus because it captures this. He says, what, was once, what once was dead is now alive. You gave to me the breath of life. You brought me out from the grave. I'm bursting out with songs of praise. Is that true for you? You once were dead, but now you're alive. You've been given this breath of life. You've been brought out of the grave. You can't help but burst out in a song of praise. And maybe you know that truth, but that praise hasn't come. Then maybe I need to encourage you just to stop and think about that a little bit longer. Nothing can hold you back what God has done. He's given us the best in Christ. That's why he says he's given you every spiritual blessing. And then you know what flows when you start praising God? You can't help but thank God for his people. (laughs) So we come to verse 15. Read with me there. For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Verse 18. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is a hope to which which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named not only in this age but also at the age the one to come and he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church which is his body the fullness of him who fills all in all And we could add amen after that. This is Paul's prayer, one of two actually in the book of Ephesians, that he's praying specifically towards the church. Today we're just going to look at the first two verses, verses 15 and 16, because there's so much here. But he starts out with saying what? For this reason... So it's a continuation. He just got done praising God, saying, because of every spiritual blessing that you've lavished upon me, I love that he uses that word, it's poured out, it's beyond pouring out, it's overflowing, he's not holding back. And because of him lavishing this grace, he says, for this reason then, now he turns attention and says, to the saints in Ephesus, I thank God for you. And so, Let's personalize this. As we thank God for his spiritual blessings that he's given us, as we praise him out of the abundance of our hearts because of the love that we received, we can't help but then turn around and say, God, for this reason, I thank you for the saints at Rome Community Bible Church. 
That should flow naturally. That's the idea here. See, church, we know prayer is an important part of God's plan for his people. I believe every Christian would agree with that statement. But the danger is I think we've compartmentalized what it, what it means to pray as just one of our spiritual disciplines, which it is. You know, we can have our list of what do we need to do to have a godly life or to grow spiritually. And we'd say, read our Bibles, pray, go to church, give. Like, those would be our lists. And we could go through our days and checkmark those things because they're good disciplines to have. I hope and pray that you read your Bible daily, that you spend time how God has revealed himself to you and to us. I I hope that you pray and ask of God and seek him on the behalf of of the needs within the body and in your own life. I hope that you understand coming to church is part of just not just a weekly thing, but it's to be with God's people. I hope you understand that giving is an aspect to show the generosity of God, that you have the generosity towards one another. But here's the problem. I think we have to guard against. We could just say, well, it's just the one thing I do, and we move on to the next thing, to the next thing. For example, if you want to be healthy, you know that exercising is important, and eating well, uh, getting adequate rest, all those things are important. But if you ever talk to someone that really has transformed their life in a healthy way, they'll tell you this. It's a lifestyle. That's what needs to change. In a spiritual sense, we need to understand those things are our life. Jesus invites us and he says that he is the living water, the breath of life, and that we're called to dine on him. We never get tired. We never say, we say that he is sufficient. And so we understand that this is our life. Our livelihood is found in him. So reading God's word and praying, it's our life. And that's the idea. So yes, those rhythms in your life, they're good, but I want to push you and encourage you. That's not just a check mark to be marked off in your day, but it's to have your life consumed with who God is. The Bible says we're called to meditate on his word. Sometimes, oh, it says day and night. The Bible says that we're called to pray sometimes. No, to pray without ceasing. Again, that's showing a life that's been changed and moved towards him. See, that the church happens not just for this service, 9 o'clock at 2720 Mount Baker Highway. Check mark, I'm done. When you're done, when you leave here, guess what? You're still the church. You're still called to live a life that's reflective of that truth. As Paul prays for the church, it's because at the core, he knows to praise, to be Christian. It's not just, it's just like naturally, like we breathe, or when we breathe, we take oxygen. The Christian must pray. We can't help but do it. So today we must challenge ourselves to be a praying church because God's people pray. Do you have a heart of prayer? I need to ask myself this too. So it's not me just pointing my fingers at you. It's pointing them at myself and say, do I have a heart of prayer? How do I pray for you and how do you pray for me? How do I pray for my family? How do I pray for the community knowing that we have an open seat for someone that needs to hear the gospel? We know there's different ways to pray. 
The acronym ACTS, which is adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. That's one way. There's prayers of lament, like Psalm 13, that says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? There's different forms and different ways. But we need to understand prayer is not just an action. I call it abiding. Prayer is abiding in him. If you know this, John 15, you could turn there if you'd like, John 15, but I want to read just a few verses. It will be on the screen here right now. Um, You can just look there too. But listen to the words that Jesus says, because he's talking about the vine and the vine dresser. But it says, abide in me. Remember that means to dwell with, to remain in. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, what can we do? Nothing. Jesus is saying, you want that lifeblood, if you will, the nutrients, the sufficiency It's found in Him. And we have that, and one of those avenues is through prayer. See, this is a big picture of prayer. Jeremiah 33, verse 3 says, Call to me, and I will answer you, and I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. So these two verses that we're just going to spend just a few moments looking at, and then we're going to participate together in prayer. Paul says, I can't, for this reason, I thank God for you. Spiritual maturity should lead to praising God. As we praise God, it should lead to, God, to thanking God for other people. And Paul's letters, like Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians, he does this. He says, I thank God for you. Then he spells out why he thanks God for them. In this particular passage, he not only thanks God for them, but then he says, here's my prayer. And if you notice what I read and and you read along, he wasn't praying for their health, wealth, and prosperity. He said, may they have knowledge of God, that they would grow in this wisdom of God, that they would grow. And he then it's almost like he's saying, look how big and great Jesus is. So he's directing the Ephesian church to say, that's my prayer, that you would know how big and great Jesus is. That your eyes would be widened. Your mind would contain, if it can, but it would grow in this, how big and great Jesus is. Have you ever noticed that prayer is not mentioned as a spiritual gift? There's different spiritual gifts mentioned, but prayer is not ever mentioned as one of those. Or during Jesus' earthly ministry, the disciples didn't say, Jesus, can you teach us how to teach? They asked him, can you teach us to pray? And then, you know how Jesus answered them? He prayed for them and said, he gave an example of prayer. He didn't give an exhortation like, here's what you need to do. He just prayed. And then that's where we have the Lord's Prayer. So first, we see this. As Paul's response to how good and big God is, the gospel at work, he thanks God for them. He says, For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Number one, we can pray and be thankful for our church 
as we praise God, as we celebrate the gospel at work in us and through us, then we should lead being thankful for the church. I do not cease means I don't stop thanking God for you. Word got to Paul about the church. We don't have that, like, here's what was written to him. We just see his response, his prompting to, if you will. And he says, I've heard about your faith, and I've heard about your love for one another. Like, he's thanking God for the gospel at work in the lives of the saints. We don't have specifics, but we just know, thank God for the Christians in Ephesus. Or it's like us. Thank God for the Christians here at Rome Community Bible Church. Thank God for the Christians in Whatcom County. Thank God for the Christians in Washington and so on. We could have that mindset. And though we don't have the names, I can't help but think, I bet Paul prayed by them by name personally. God, I thank you for, and he probably went through a list of the people he knew. And there was probably a lot more newer people that were added to the church. That's one of the ways he did them. I also think, I bet he was thankful for even the difficult Christians. <laughs> Instead of grumbling and complaining, he just said, thank you, Lord, for. Have you ever tried that first before you start grumbling and complaining? It changes things, huh? You know, another very short verse that's really close to where Paul says, pray without ceasing. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, he says, we are to be thankful in all circumstances. And Paul's thankful even while he's in prison. He was thankful for the work that God was doing, even amongst difficulty and with difficult people. And the same is true for you and I. By thanking God for those in the church who are breaking down really barriers that come up just because of life. When you pray for someone and you thank God for them, it takes that down to say, wow, okay, here we are. We're on the same playing field. And Paul's prayer was for them to grow in Christ. It breaks down bitterness and resentment that could come up. When you humble yourself before God and with one another, you desire for unity within the Bible. So are you thankful for the church? Are you? Notice Paul's praise wasn't because you know, of their gifting. He was praising God for the work that God did in their life. So it's not, man, I thank you because you did X, Y, and Z, or I thank you for your, your gifts that you've given. He says, I just thank God for you because the faith that you have in God and the love that you have for one another. The motivation to be thankful for the church starts with, not with what does the church do for me, but really what did God do for the people in the church how can I be thankful for all the different people in the church? How can I be thankful for this and what God is doing? That's what we're called to do. So because of God, I am thankful for you. Because of God, I am thankful for you. Not because of anything stands out because you did this or you wrote me a kind note. No, I'm thankful for God because of what God has done in your life. Number two, we're called to be thankful for those in church because they love God. That's his response. 
He uses that phrase, I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and I would summarize this as the love of God. Again, the gospel doctrine, going, or what he's called to do, the greatest commandment, to love God, to love neighbor, that's what we're called to do. Faith is a gift in God, and he is a giver of it, and was thanking God that he gave it. We know faith is something that we're called, that's more than just believing, it's action. One theologian defines faith as to surrender oneself to God, humbly to put out one's interests or to wish to be allowed to put them into his hands who is sovereign giver of all good. Uh, it's really dying to self, resting in him. Diedrich Bonhoeffer, in his book, Cost of Discipleship, he writes, when Christ calls a man, he bids him to come and die. That's really faith. It's saying, I'm willing to die to self to live for you. So he says, I thank God for that faith that he's given you. Second, or third, I should say, Paul was thankful for the church because they loved one another. The church loved God and loved others. First John 4, 7 through 8 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever uh, loves has been born of God and knows God, and anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. And this is very well connected that we need to remind ourselves God who first loved us draws us in we love him and if you love God it's going to show in how you love other people it's all connected that's really the summary of the book of Ephesians right here because of your faith because of your love for other people Paul's writing about this faith that God has given us the gospel at work what does it mean to love other people in light of that I'm running out of time because I want us to pray, but let me just give a quick thing in Revelation chapter 2. Uh, I want to spend more time here, but I just think it's pointed to say this. Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. Jesus writes a letter to different churches, then given to John in this vision. The very first church that has written this letter is Ephesus. And this is what Jesus writes. To the angel of the church in Ephesus uh, write, the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil, your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you're enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. But, this I, but I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, where you have fallen, repent, and do the works, works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. Yet this I have. You hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Jesus is writing this letter, and he mentions all their good things, right? He says, and you, you don't like what is evil. Uh, you ha- love my word, and you know when there's false teachers that were even among them. The elders in Ephesus were teaching false doctrine, and they were guarding against this. Um, he tells them that they were, they were patiently enduring and bearing up for his name's sake. And so they were doing a lot of good things on paper. We're like, yeah, those are good. But what does he say? But this I have against you. They've forgotten their first love. What is he talking about? Their love for him. They did the work. 
They had the head knowledge. They were theologianly um, buff. They knew stuff. They prepared and guarded those you need, but they neglected loving God. And when you neglect loving God, you neglect really loving other people. And it's that spiral that will happen. You could get so caught up in these works. And this is where I say you get caught up in doing church. And you can still not love God. What are the two greatest commandments that Jesus said when he asked? What is the greatest commandment? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and mind, like your whole being. And the second is to what? Love your neighbor as yourself. Church, there's a warning. Paul, who's writing to the church of Ephesus before John had this letter, and he's like, man, I thank God for you because your love for meet God and for your love for other people. And here, he's like, they've neglected that. And it just changed. Outwardly, yeah, mark that off. They did it, but they neglected what matters. May we not do that. So today, with time, I'm going to ask you, and we're going to so close, I'll, I'll close this in prayer, but I want us to pray together. And there's ways we pray corporately. Yes, one is when someone's up here and we, I, uh, like for example, if I pray, you're green when you say amen, you're listening. But this time I want you guys to be able to participate. This will be a little challenging for some because you're like, I don't pray out loud. I know. But throughout scripture, actually you see a lot of corporate prayer. It's very important. The early church, when Jesus ascended to heaven, uh, and he told them to wait for this Holy Spirit to come upon them. Do you know what they went and did? They prayed. And it wasn't individually praying. They had like a prayer meeting as they were waiting. It was 10 days. I'm sure they did other stuff like eat and have to use the restroom. But it was 10 days that they prayed together. One of the things I think that's neglected a lot in the church is corporate prayer. And God, we thank you as many are praying, just thanking you for one another. I thank you for the saints of Rome Community Bible Church. Thank you for those that you've called, that are in you, that you know by name. Lord, if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, Lord, they would look at your open arms in the invitation that you say, come, that you welcome us, that call on the name of Jesus to be saved. God, I thank you that we get to rejoice and, be, uh, and bear one another's burdens, the body of Christ at work. May we apply these things in our lives, not just now at church, but as we leave here, this deep sense of lifting one another up as they live their lives for you and your glory. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. And if you would like more information, please visit rcbcbellingham.com.